Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mbliwa Kavaza, and for today, uh, we do look out a little bit into the future, uh, perhaps peering into the crystal ball a little bit, because um, next week we're going to be having uh, Finance Minister Enoch Gondongwana, who will be giving um, you know his midterm budget speech for 2022. Uh, this follows on from the main budget speech earlier in the year. Um, you know, this is sort of, uh, you know, at uh, the halfway point looking at, you know, where we are and if there are any tweaks, changes uh, that need to be done uh, to that main budget from earlier on. So we're going to be talking to Sanisha uh, Pakirasami, who is an economist um, over at uh, Momentum Investments to understand, you know, what should we be looking out for? You know, as we said, this is not the main budget, but, you know, there tends to be, you know, big themes and in um, and in some past years, uh, there have been some big announcements that have come out, you know, from that midterm budget speech. So it's never something, uh, you know, to take, you know, lightly in any way. So, Sanisha, greetings to you today. Hi, Mudiwa. Great to be with you again. I think a good place for us to start, uh, Sanisha, for today is maybe um, positioning, right? Um, just given everything that's happening in the economy, we've just said that usually uh, midterm budget speech, it's not, the, it's not the main one at the start of the year. Um, and usually this is seen as the one that's got the less, less flexibility. Uh, but in your view, you know, how do we position um, you know, this particular budget speech within the wider, you know, economic context? I think you're quite right. You know, a couple of years ago, not many people really paid so much attention to the medium-term budget as they did the, the February budget, the national budget. And that was largely because we mostly had tax decisions that were coming through in February rather than through the October budget. Um, this time around, however, there are a couple of factors at play given the state of the global and the local economy that I think are quite important to set for the fiscal context in South Africa. So if we look at the revenue side of things, we've had you know, commodity prices playing a huge role in supporting mining revenues in South Africa, and that is likely to lead to quite a big overrun on the revenue side. And if we look at the expenditures side, there are a number of factors that are likely to drag expenditure into the future. So we've got the uh, final wage deal between the government and the public sector unions, which still has to be finalized as being one of the significant threats to the expenditure profile. Add to that, uh, if we're going to see any sort of announcement being made on a potential permanent extension or even an increase in the social relief of distress grant. And then thirdly, we're all waiting to hear about what's going to happen to the state-owned enterprises, in particular ESCOM, given that uh, there was some indication that we will hear a little bit more about the potential financing options for the energy utility. So with everything that's happening, uh, Sanisha, we've just highlighted, you know, a number of uh, different issues, both um, on a macro and micro uh, sort of level. Um, when we go into something like, uh, you know, this midterm budget speech next week, like you said, um, we have unusual circumstances, which is why, um, you know, so much attention is being paid to um, something like this. What are some of the, you know, you've just given us, you know, what, you, you know, some of the 
you know, context items. But, you know, for yourself, you know, as a way to gauge where we are, um, you know, what are you expecting the minister to, uh, what you call this, to, to actually focus on? You know, because we've got the wish list. Um, and then there's, you know, what he what he can actually do. I'm sure that, you know, things like your SOEs and uh, the public sector wage bill, those things are things that because they are current, he definitely has to, you know, speak about. But outside of our wish list, you know, realistically speaking, you know, what do you expect him to, you know, actually focus on? Well, I think on the revenue side of things, he will continue to mention that the commodity price windfall is just that, a windfall, and that they are not extrapolating those gains into the future. And I think that will be reasonably well received by markets, given the temporary nature of commodity price cycles. On the expenditure side of things, we may not get a resolution to the public sector strike by the time of the medium-term budget, but it does mean that Treasuries still have to pencil in some sort of assumption on the wage bill, and it looks as though analysts in the financial markets are pricing in an average of around 3% for that increase. That is still higher than what Treasury expected at the beginning of this year. Uh, we may also not see a complete resolution to the arguments around a further extension of the social relief of distress grant. But on our wish list is to see some sort of indication of how this is going to be dealt with in a fiscally responsible manner while still trying to make inroads into inequality and poverty in South Africa. Um, and I think the real biggie this time around is to see what's going to happen in terms of the financing for ESCOM. This is going to give financial markets a lot of clarity around the unbundling process for ESCOM. And I think that will give us really a way forward. When it comes to specifically, uh, I want to zone in on what you've just spoken about now, um, the ESCOM factor. Obviously, um, that's an operational issue and probably people are on tenterhooks a little bit because of all the load shedding that uh, has been experienced in 2022 over 100 days, you know, so far in 2022 with uh, power cuts, um, you know, and the like. And usually whenever some of these huge decisions um, happen, we see some reaction, um, you know, of some sort. And because this is a financing issue, how do you expect the reaction to, I guess, come through or to be transmitted uh, through the economy? Is it likely going to be, you know, a currency type of reaction, a bond market, you know, type of movement that's going to signal to say, you know, how well, um, you know, the what you call this market players take whatever news comes out uh, from the minister next week? I think it's going to be a little bit of both. I think we may see some movement on the currency, some movement in terms of um, the bond market will really be reliant on what happens to potential funding conditions and how the National Treasury has decided to deal with the issue of financing um, ESCOM's massive amount of $400 billion worth of debt. Um, I think we could also see some reaction in terms of consumer sentiment. Uh, you know, we know that consumer sentiment has been dragged lower by the extension of power cuts, um, and that has really weighed quite negatively on consumer confidence. If we see some sort of resolution toward uh, Treasury potentially taking on up to half of ESCOM's debt stock, I think this will be, you know, quite a positive indication of government's intention to sort out the energy utility and to make it a viable entity in the uh, go 
going on into the future. Now, um, you know, looking at the potential funding structure would also likely be quite conditional on more stricter adherence to things like the timeline in splitting the three business units um, in terms of increasing operational performance, such as reducing load shedding and even potentially reining in bad debt. So I think those elements would send quite a positive signal to consumers, businesses and financial markets. It will be interesting, you know, to see how some of that happens. I'm particularly interested to see, um, you know, how they decide. You know, like you said, um, it's going to be very interesting to see how they decide that they're going to fund and what the reaction. I'm particularly interested more in, uh, in you know, in the bond market, you know, to see what type of movement is going to happen, um, you know, for something like this, because the government is caught between a rock and a hard place so if you are a market player how do you assess you know risk like that because they have to have a financing solution they have to have something at the table and you know in some corners of the market they might be seen as desperate so do you take that desperation as a can I call it as a as an assurance, um, you know, that they'll be good for whatever money that they go out to the market to borrow? Or do you sort of take that uh, that desperation as, mm, you know, these guys uh, might pose some type of a risk, you know, uh, that might, you know, then with whatever uh, demand is there, you know, because there's already strong demand for South African um, government bonds. Uh, but, you know, depending on how you look at the desperation around around energy do you look at that as a, okay cool this is a good guarantee that these people will definitely come to the table and you know pay us uh what is owed to us in the you know five ten years whatever it is or do you look at it as ah, you know they are in such a tough position we don't really know if they are doing and if they're responsible enough you know to take up you know whatever debt comes their way and actually effectively use it and you know give back to the market what's owed well i think you know the strength of the uh you know the degree of guarantee behind this escom debt being taken over is going to rely very heavily on a very strict adherence to those conditionalities. Um, as I mentioned, for example, a strict timeline um, on which to actually split the three business units, the generation, distribution, and transmission, uh, more strict adherence towards increasing operational performance and reducing the incidence of load shedding, um, and you know, marked improvement in remaining in the bad debt that is owed toward ESCOM. So I think you know those conditionalities will play a very significant role in actually determining the the guarantee behind that debt. If I look at um, you know what the market is expecting right now, I think the bulk of market participants, I would say, are expecting Treasury to basically take on somewhere between 150 billion and 250 billion of ESCOM's debt stock. Remember, their debt stock is sitting close to 400 billion at this point in time, so that would be roughly half. Um, and if you take roughly half, that would actually raise government's debt to GDP ratio by an additional 3% of GDP. That would also add to your debt servicing costs, but it does allow some degrees of freedom to ESCOM to start really plugging away at their plans to split those three business units. And it does give investors some sort of confidence. Um, other than that option, there is also a potential option for a series of equity injections. And I think those equity injections would then be 
in a place and in a position to actually match the redemptions and the interest payments that are likely to be made over the next three years. So those are sort of the options that the financial markets are contemplating at this point in time. There is still a lot up in the air and uh, we will, of course, get uh, some more clarity on this next week, Wednesday. Now, most certainly and hopefully uh, whatever detail comes out will be, you know, will be enough, um, you know, to satisfy all the curiosities that the markets have. Um, I want to turn to, you know, one of the big things that has been, I guess, plaguing um, both global markets and local markets, and that's the issue of inflation. Um, you know, around the world, everyone is struggling with, uh, you know, rising living costs, particularly around things like your food, uh, transport, um, and the like. A lot of it owing to, um, you know, post-recovery from COVID and also uh, the Russia-Ukraine war. We got uh, we got some numbers recently, uh, seeing that inflation is coming off just a little bit. Do you think that's uh, sustained? Uh, that's going to be sustained? Is it, uh, you know, monetary policy? you know coming to you know coming to the rescue or is it just um one of those exogenous factors like uh the price of oil coming down a little bit and then in future we might see um you know those uh, some of those indicators ticking up again I think it maybe is a little bit too early to make sure that this is a decisive turning point in the South African inflation cycle, but it was a very welcome number that came through showing a second consecutive monthly print uh, with a lower inflation number. So that peak seems to be at around 7.8% in July, and that of course came down to 7.5% in the more recent print. Um, and now going forward, I think there are a couple of factors that will drive some downside in inflation. We have come up quite a very elevated base on uh, both your transport inflation. And in the next couple of months, we'll also see those base effects taking a bit more of a positive role in bringing inflation down from the food perspective. And I think this is also what's playing out globally. We've also seen an alleviation in global supply chains. The New York uh, Global Supply Chain Index has actually come off for the last five months. So we will actually see with a little bit of a delayed impact, those effects starting to help South African inflation uh, move towards the, the target once again. So I, I do think going into next year, we will continue to see a deceleration in South African headline inflation. However, we are still likely to see a continued uptick in core inflation numbers, and, and that is likely to persist into next year. Uh, when you when you think about um, inflation at the moment, and just given um, the fact that we're not sure if this is a true inflection point, or um, you know we might see some of that ticking up uh, later on, there had been an expectation that uh, the Reserve Bank um, could go up as much as eight or nine percent. Um, on, um, you know, on uh, the interest rates, you know, just as a way to make sure that we do curb um, what's going on in inflation. Two consecutive months of, uh, you know, a print on inflation, uh, you know, that's slightly lower um, than it was at the 7.8% peak, you know, does the, what you call this, does the Monetary Policy Committee continue uh, to push up, uh, you know, interest rates just to make sure uh, that we curb this thing once and for all? I think that's really the course that the Reserve Bank is going to take here. Uh, you know, they've warned previously about potential inflation persistence, which is inflationary pressures broadening throughout the consumer basket in South Africa. 
They also pointed out in their monetary policy review for October that we actually started to see core good inflation for the exchange rate sensitive components continuing to tick higher. And of course, we know what's happened with the RAND exchange rate more recently. It sold off quite significantly on the back of further interest rate increases from the U.S. Federal Reserve in response to high inflation in the United States. And as a result, we found that emerging market currencies, including the RAND, were really on the back foot. So I think, you know, the RAND will play a determining factor in what the Monetary Policy Committee decides insofar as that it can have a negative impact on consumer expectations on inflation, and that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of actually pushing up future rates of inflation, including underlying measures of inflation. And I think to stem those pressures, the Monetary Policy Committee will continue to raise interest rates in the South African environment. No, most certainly. Let's see how things progress. But like you said, uh, we are likely to continue to see that hiking cycle continuing uh, because of those concerns that inflation hasn't hasn't uh, been um, hasn't been uh, you know truly navigated as yet. Uh, that we still should expect uh, you know a little bit of price uh, pressure going forward. So as we're ending off, uh, Sanisha, you know your thoughts. Um, you know, around um, yeah, around uh, business. Uh, I think I've uh, you know I tend to ask this question quite a bit uh, because the pressures on infl- on uh, consumers. Uh, rather are well documented at this point we understand you know what everyone is going through uh, maybe not on an individual basis but you know broadly speaking uh, there are the common themes that uh, you know that have been spoken about quite at length uh, the price of fuel the price of food um, you know a weakening exchange rate that's then filtering throughout the economy all of that but businesses at the moment uh, you know from whatever interactions you have um, with the business leaders, what is the concern at the moment? And um, yeah, I guess what is the concern? Because I'm pretty sure whatever their concerns are is some of the things that uh, the minister and government are keeping in mind uh, when uh, drafting uh, a budget like the ones that's going to be presented next week. Sure. So you know, I think in this kind of environment, businesses are quite concerned that we are moving into a slowing local environment. Part of that is backed by the view that we are expecting the global environment to take a little bit of pain next year, as some of these factors that we experienced in 2022, the rising cost of living and a number of other factors that have negatively affected the consumer. Um, you know, for the, the businesses in South Africa, not only look, do they look at the revenue line, but they're also quite concerned about the expenditure line. And one of the major expenditure line items is, of course, the cost of electricity and utilities in South Africa, which continues to rise. Um, Not only has the price risen, but for things like electricity, we've also seen supply shortages. So this means that, you know, businesses are facing quite a lot of constraints on the expenditure side and upward pressure coming through from that end of the market. And uh, another big component of the expenditure bill for businesses comes through from the wage component. And, uh, you know, what we're seeing playing out in the public sector right now, for example, ESCOM getting a 7% wage settlement coming through, Transnet more recently with a a 6% and a three-year agreement 
going from six to five and then six again in terms of that wage settlement does also apply a little bit of pressure to what is going to play out in the private sector. And of course, a higher wage bill then also tends to put a bit of pressure on businesses from the expenditure side. So businesses are going into quite a tough environment. Um, and it's it's one in which they have to look at competitive forces to really you know up their game. All right. So that's been it. We were talking to Sanisha Pakirasamy, who is uh, an economist over at Momentum Investments, giving us a little bit of insight into what we might expect um, from Finance Minister Enoch Gondongwana as he gives uh, the midterm budget speech next week. Uh, some of the big things that uh, we do expect is, uh, you know, some understanding around, um, you know, the potential financing of uh, um, ESCOM's operations, um, you know how uh, that breakup is going to you know continue to materialize over time and how uh, it's going to be financed also just um, you know issues around uh, the relief grants um, you know where do they go from here is it up down is it um, an elimination you know where do we go especially um, given the agenda to help consumers you know as much as possible but also at the same time against uh, the backdrop of inflation that is coming off just a little bit, but uh, Sanisha just warning uh, that uh, this might uh, just two months of, uh, you know, slightly lower inflation might not necessarily be, um, you know, that inflection point. We have to look at things um, over a much longer, much longer term, but it is, um, you know, it's a, a welcome relief, you know, from that point of view. But we do expect uh, that uh, hiking in terms of interest rates will continue because of those fears around the inflation and then finally uh, just uh, talking about you know some of the you know factors uh, in the global environment uh, that are likely to continue to persist and uh, uh, some of the pressures that businesses are expecting especially in this slowing environment Sanisha thank you so much for being with us today thank you so much this is Mudiwa's take Really great discussion, and I think from my point of view, um, one of the things uh, quite curious to see if it's going to be brought up at all um, in the midterm budget speech is any relief around backup power. Um, in the electric vehicle market, one of the big um, sticking uh, points for the industry has tended to be the high cost of importing uh, electric vehicles. You know, for example, you want um, vehicles that run on alternative energy, they're going to cost you a pretty penny. And other countries have been quite deliberate about giving tax breaks and, you know, some type of incentives and relief around getting those vehicles into their countries, uh, which has uh, aided in the proliferation of such vehicles. Now, when we look at, um, you know, within the same energy sector, um, especially now that uh, there's been this liberalization, if people can cast their minds back uh, to the last family meeting, is the government going to come um, to the party in any way to offer any incentives uh, for people that do uh, buy up 
backup power of some sort because um, this is something that's becoming more and more of a necessity, especially um, in situations where ESCOM itself and leadership do admit that load shedding is going to be with us. It only makes sense that people will be looking more and more to the alternative power market. And if you're truly going to say that uh, we're there to you know, try and help consumers in one way or another, then some type of relief um, or incentives around uh, some of those uh, alternative energy products and items, you know, might be one of those ways to ease uh, some of those burdens. Because um, in essence, these are meant to these are products and services that people should not have to buy uh, because the tax the tax uh, the tax rand uh, or the tax dollar is meant to have gone towards ESCOM to make sure that as a public good, everyone gets electricity. But if there's a failing uh, from the public sector on that end, and you have private individuals having to foot the bill uh, to have some of these alternative uh, products and services in their homes for backup power. How do you incentivize something like that, especially given the fact that it's not meant to be something that people are, you know, set to rely on? But the reality is um, in a situation where backup power is likely going to become more and more a fixture of, uh, you know, in more and more people's homes. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.